For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love the cross requires cling to the one who's hard to... Amen. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 11 as we begin today as we're going through the book of 2 Corinthians. And Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, to the Christians at Corinth, and he's straightening out some things and he's answering some questions. And we can use this and apply it to our lives today because the word of the Lord stands forever and never changes. Amen. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall endure forever, God said. God's holy word says that. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11 here, the Bible says, and it's talking about Christian separation. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. The mouth, it speaks of that of the abundance of the heart. So Paul's open mouth, it's speaking of his, his open heart. His heart is, my heart is open wide to you. My affection is open to you. I'm pouring out my love, my heart, my affection to you you and that's what you do the the more that you love god the the amazing thing is you think that that you have to work at loving people but the truth is the more that you love god the more that you will love others it will because it will be god's love flowing through you instead of you trying to love others because it is impossible just sometimes let's just be honest there's just some hard people to love some people are just vulgar and some people are just nasty and some people are just downright mean and it's hard to love those kind of people and you cannot do it without allowing the love of god to flow through your heart so as god loves pours down to you you can open up your hearts to others and that's what paul says here our heart is enlarged he has a giant heart toward them my heart is wide open it is ready to re, to receive them aw a. tozer said this paul was a little man with a vast interior life his great heart was often wounded by the narrowness of his disciples the sight of their shrunken souls hurt him much and i heard one lady say it best and i had not heard this before but she called them sheep bites and it's where they are christians you know they're saved you know they're in church but sometimes they bite one another. And she called them sheep bites. And sometimes people might do it without even saying a word. Because Paul says here, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. We love you, in other words. Our affection is poured out toward you. 
And in verse number 12, he says, Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. That's kind of a strange verse. If you just read that verse and nothing else about it, it, it would be kind of strange, you know. But the Apostle Paul was telling them, we are not withholding, we're not restricting our affection from you, but you are withholding your love and your affection from us. Paul's heart was large enough to love and hold all the Corinthians. And he asked them, he asked them to make, make room for your heart for us. So Paul's saying that in this verse, ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Paul's saying, we're not withholding our love from you. My heart is enlarged, it is open unto you, but you are withholding the love and affection from us. And that does hurt. That, let's just be honest. When you truly love somebody and you care about them and you want the best for them and you pray for them and you love them and you pour your life into them, but yet they turn you off that they won't show you any affection in return they won't show you any love in return that does hurt now paul doesn't stop loving them just like god doesn't stop loving us thank god because we do that exact same thing to god he loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and we get saved and sometimes we fall back into sin or we willfully sin or we allow something in our lives that we know that we shouldn't. And God says, why are you doing that? I've opened up my heart. My heart is enlarged to you. I've pointed my affection to you. The Bible even says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died and loved us. He poured out our heart to us. And sometimes we do that same thing to God. We withhold our affection. We don't return the love that God has for us. Don't you know that hurts him? Just like a loving parent that loves their child and you pour your heart and your soul and your life and every dollar and everything that you had. And for whatever reason, they turn stone cold on you. That's hurtful. It is. It's, it's upsetting. But we can so easily do that to God. But you, we won't say it out loud. We won't say, well, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't really feel like serving God today. I, I don't feel like reading my Bible. No Christian says that. Nobody goes to church and talks about that. But the truth is, that's us withholding our love from God. And so those in Corinthians, they might have limited their love toward Paul so that they were not sure whether they should receive him or not, whether or not they should accept him, but he was not at all limited in his love toward them. And we should be like that to others. What a great example Paul gives us. Even though they withheld their love, they didn't know if they wanted accepting, Paul said, I'm going to love you no matter what. The lack of love was not on Paul's side. And may, may people say that about me and you, Christian, that the lack of love is not on their side. It's on my side. I'm the one that's withholding my affection. I'm the one that's holding out and holding back. Verse number 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 13. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. If they want to recompense his love, to them, he's speaking to those who are were his children in the faith, those that he had led to the Lord. They should allow their affection toward him to be opened. 
And so Paul feels he's their spiritual father, not that he's the one that saved them, but the one that he's the one that pointed them to Christ. He's the one that that showed them the way of salvation. He feels like, hey, you're like my little children, and I love you like that. And they should love him as, as, a, as a father in the faith. Amen? Only God could bring this about, but they should allow him to do it in, in their lives. And just like I said, only God can do that in the person's life. Whether it's a spiritual leader or whether it's somebody that's not. Maybe it's somebody that's not so spiritual. Maybe they're in church, but they're not so spiritual. Maybe you work with them, but they're not so spiritual. Maybe they got a foul mouth and a vulgar mouth. But God still loves them, and we should too. It doesn't mean you have to love the things that are done, the things that are said. But the person themselves I'm talking about, that we can show love toward them because it is an act of the will love is not just a feeling love is much more than that by the way if you love somebody you will give them something it will come naturally whether it be your time or your attention or whatever it is something uh, physical that you would give them uh, you if you love them you will give them something it becomes natural. You say, where'd you get that, preacher? I got it from God himself because God did that. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. When you naturally love somebody, it's going to pour out of your heart and you're going to want to give them something, not just anything. You're going to give want to give them something that's important to you. Don't you know that God's son is important to him? But yet he gave something that was so important to them. Why? Because he loved us so much. And when you truly love somebody, you're going to want to give them something that's important to you. Amen? Amen to that. Verse number 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? There is so much to be said in that verse. Be not unequally yoked. That's talking about every facet of life. And I realize many times people um, think of marriage when they hear that verse. And that is true. It does pass over into marriage, be not equally yoked so paul has told the saints to be open in their affections toward him now he explains the one way to do this to separate you know to separate righteousness from unrighteousness how do you love somebody that's not righteous how do you love somebody that's not in the faith well if you ever drive by a field I, you're never going to see an ox and a donkey tied together working together they're just two totally separate animals with two totally separate demeanors and two totally separate ways. They'll go, they'll go, they'll pull each other apart is what they'll do. Why? Because they are totally two different minded kind of creatures. And that's exactly what the Bible is talking about. An unbeliever and a believer are two totally different people and they will pull each other apart. 
because a believer, a, a Christian, his goal is going to be to serve the Lord. It's not going to be to serve money or to get make himself look good or, or make themselves or herself look good or, or to climb the ladder of the social ladder or the economical ladder or the position ladder. No, their goal is going to be to serve the Lord and love others. And if God, if God and so chooses to exalt that Christian. Hey, that's God doing it. And by the way, when God lifts you up, no man can hold you down. Amen. The Bible says that you humble yourself and God will exalt thee in due time. And that is so true. Amen. It's coming from God's holy word. You can take that one to the bank. And it certainly, as like I said, it refers to, to Christian marriages uh, uh, a saved person should not marry an unsaved person. Now, this passage doesn't justify divorce if you get saved and your partner's not saved. No, it's talking about at the act of marriage. If you got saved, the Bible gives specific direction if your spouse is not saved and you got saved. That, that if it's your wife, you're supposed to love her like there's nobody else's business. And if, you, if you're a wife, you're supposed to... Uh, love your husband like it's nobody else's business. And that by your testimony, they may be won over to the Lord by the difference they see in your life. Amen. Here's a big one. It also refers to business. A business partner. A Christian should not go into partnership with an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever is going to serve money. An unbeliever is going to make business decisions. It doesn't matter if they go against spiritual principles. That's what I'm getting at. You see, there, you can be a good Christian man and still make business decisions, but that business decision will never go against spiritual principles. And if they ever do, you are in the wrong and you are sinning against God. But a person that's not saved, a person that's not living by the Bible, is not going to worry about what that says. They're going to look at the almighty dollar, the bottom line, and they're going to make their business decisions off of that bottom line. And so what the Bible is talking about here is if you get unequally yoked in a business partnership like that, you are going to pull each other apart. It's going to fail because you are going to want to serve God and honor God and give God 10% and serve God. And the other persons want to serve themselves and they're going to want to serve the bottom line and the dollar. That's what it's going to be all about. So when it says don't be unequally yoked, it's talking about every facet in life, not just marriage. Yes, marriage is a big one, but it's talking about business and businesses, partnership, uh, and all the above. Be not unequally yoked. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't uh, work for an unbeliever. Many people have a, a boss who is not a Christian. Many people have a boss who is not unsaved. But you're not in a partnership with them like you are in marriage or like if you started a business together. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Here it's talking about being yoked together. And when you start a business, you're yoked together. When you get married, you're yoked together, right? You're both working together for the same cause. Supposed to be. Unless you're married to an unbeliever. Or unless you go in partnership with an unbeliever. 
and then you are not both working for the same cause. And so this verse passes over in every facet of life, business, financial, marriage, uh, even some friendship. Now, we should be a friend to sinners. The Bible tells us that, that we should love those. But it should have a stopping point of that you won't fall into sin with them, in other words, is what I'm trying to say. Righteousness and lawlessness describes the whole sphere of moral behavior. If you make your decisions off of just moral, like of, of worldly morals, see, worldly morals change. One day they're wrong, and the next day they're right. They all depend on how society sees that, whatever it is. Society will dictate moral behavior, but righteous, godly, spiritual behavior will always, 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 always be the same. The Bible never changes. See, light and darkness have to do with the intelligence as the things of God. So what kind of decisions are you making, Christian? Are you making moral decisions? Are you making business decisions? Are you making godly decisions? Are you making biblical decisions? Because that's the ones that's going to matter. God is the one that we should be pleasing. I like to say that I'm living for Him. I'm not living for them. See, one day you'll be a hero, and the next day you'll be a zero with people. So if you're a people pleaser, uh, you'll be the one that's unhappy. Be a God pleaser because God will put joy in your heart. Like you can un just, it's unbelievable the amount of joy that God can put in a person's heart. And because you are the temple of God, by the way. And if you allow idols in your life, an idol of a job, an idol of a business, an idol of a partnership, the idol of a certain house, a certain status, a certain neighborhood, a certain amount in my bank account, a certain car that I drive, if you enter into a partnership so that you can achieve those things, let me tell you, Christian, you will be miserable. You will be miserable. Because you know what money does? Money makes you more of what you already are. If you're depressed, it's, it'll get worse. If you're a jerk, it's going to make you a jerk ten times on steroids. If you're a giver, it's going to make you even more of a giver. That's what money does. It makes you more of what you already are. It does not make you happy. Only God does that. So righteousness and lawlessness can have no fellowship together. No sir, no ma'am. They're like on moral opposites complete opposites light and dark neither can light have communion with darkness you know when light enters in the room it's an amazing thing that all the darkness in the room is driven out both of them cannot exist together one will repel the other one will run away and say i just i'm, I'm not i'm getting out of here the darkness will run they won't want no part of that light it shows them what they really are it shows darkness what it really is even when you walk into a dark room and you flip on the light, all the darkness flees. It's gone. Within an instant, it runs away. Verse number 15. And what concord with Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Belial means worthlessness or wickedness. And here it is a name for the 
for an evil one, the evil one, the devil, Satan. There can ever be, there can never be peace between Christ and Satan. Absolutely not. It's light and it's darkness. Neither can there be fellowship between a believer and an unbeliever. Uh, you can see it this way. It's almost like the word treason if you're trying to do that. Now, careful, Christian. This is where we have to know that we love them, that God loves them, that God can change them just like he changed you. Because I'm here to tell you, I was the biggest rotten sorry sinner there was till the Lord Jesus Christ got a hold of me and, and saved me and set my feet on solid ground. I wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and I was born again. Amen. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for people who didn't give up on me praying and preaching and serving God. Amen. And we need to be doing the same to pass that along. So when you see that person, know this. If you can think of the most wild, the most vile, the most wickedest, the most nastiest person, listen to me. God died just as much for them as he did for you. When I say God, I mean Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. Amen. Verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. And walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The Bible says that you are a temple of God. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing that you, not some great, wonderful Taj Mahal place made of gold and, and golden statues and idols and golden wall. No, not that place. You, the Bible says, are the temple of God. When God moves in and the peace of the Holy Spirit, he takes up residence in you. God's not looking for a house to dwell. God's looking for a person to dwell. Amen. God loves people and he wants to use you to do his glorious and mighty work. It is an amazing thing and I still can't fully understand it. But Jesus said, greater works will you do than I've done. I don't fully understand that. But all I know is God called me to preach and I'm going to go forth and preach his word wherever I have the opportunity. Amen. And I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for a church that got behind me. I'm thankful for my wife who got behind me. I'm thankful for others who have got behind me and financially supported our program and our ministry. I am so thankful as we go forth to preach and proclaim God's holy word. And he says here, wherefore, come out from among them. In other words, don't get involved. Don't put your face in the muck and the mire and smear mud all over you and get down in the hogs and waller. You don't have to live like that anymore. God's program is come out. Get away from that unclean thing. Amen. Get it out of your life. Cut it out of your life if you have to. Whatever it takes. Verse number 18. And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. Hey, amen. When you, when you truly get born again, God becomes your father. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Bible says man, that the angels glory to look into it. Trumpets sound and that heaven itself, it brings joy. It's the only thing that I find in the Bible that brings joy into heaven. I'm sure there's more things, but that's the one thing that we know for a certain fact when a person gets saved, that there is joy in heaven over it. Amen. Don't you know we should have that kind of joy when a person gets saved, when a person gets born again? Hey, that, that is an amazing miracle how God can take somebody who's a lowly, no good, good for nothing, and 
totally save their soul and turn them around and make them a good Christian wife or a good preacher or just a good church member or just just a, a good employee or just a good father, amen, to their children. Maybe he don't know much, but he knows I got to get my kids to church, amen. And that's all that it takes. That's all it's being a spiritual leader is, sir. You don't have to know more than the next guy. You just have to know that I'm going to serve God no matter what. Amen. And if you're not saved, today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died on the cross and he rose again the third day. Amen. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352 352- 247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.